0: Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process as I figure out ways to keep my own home under control. I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people—people who don't love cleaning and organizing. This is episode 200, and I'm calling it "Defining." easy. And this episode is brought to you by PrepDish. It's January 31st, but it feels like January 74th. How are your resolutions to cook healthy meals at home in 2019 going? Hmm? If you need a little help, you need to check out PrepDish. PrepDish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service that does the planning, the mental work, for you. So you can consistently make healthy meals for your family. Each week you get an email with a shopping list, which is organized according to the section of the grocery store instructions for doing the prep work for the meals all at once. So they're ready to be cooked with minimal time and effort the night that you eat them they have paleo plans, gluten-free plans, and now they have keto plans. Go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean to get a free two week trial. That's prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean to try prepdish for free for two weeks. Okay. Um, before I get into talking about defining easy, hmm, yes, this is me answering a couple of questions. I went into my podcast ideas, um, folder an email where, you know, I put the emails that you guys send me with podcast ideas or questions that people ask. And, um, these two questions, this was not the question, you know, to please define easy was not, not what they were asking, but, um, it made me think of this. And so I'm going to answer a couple questions and then all that, but any, and go into this idea of things being easy or difficult or whatever, and why that is such an obsession for people like me anyway. Um, but before I do that, I want to tell y'all about a couple of things. So I said, I'm pretty sure I said at some point that for my 200th podcast, I was going to interview my husband again. Like I did for my 100th podcast. Um, can y'all believe it's been 200 whatever anyway, but because I'm me, I totally forgot. And, um, Oops. Oh, well. So we're hoping that the 201st podcast will be the one where I interview my husband. Um, so if you have questions for him, you can ask him anything. I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to answer anything, but, um, anyway, you can ask questions if you have questions for Bob or questions for us to talk about together. Um, please email me this week, probably before, Monday or Tuesday. So, you know, this is obviously for the most devoted listeners who listen to it right away. Um, but email us at a slob comes clean at gmail.com. And if you can put in the title questions for Bob or questions for husband or whatever you want to put like that, um, just so that I know to, you know, put those aside for that. Um, I thought about asking on Instagram because it's easy to ask questions on there. And I thought, no, this is for my podcast listeners. And not all of you are on Instagram, even though you totally should be. I'm a slob comes clean there. Okay. Another thing to tell you about really quickly before we get started is, um, if you are anywhere near Lufkin, Texas, yes, it's in East Texas, I think. Um, anyway, I am going to be there Saturday, February 16th, doing a full morning seminar. I mean, it's, it's me and only me, (laughs) which is kind of crazy. And it's super exciting, but, um, Buchanan Realty is bringing me in and they're putting on a community event. Um, I'm going to be talking about, um, mindset changes and decluttering my five-step process that you guys know from the podcast, but I'm just telling you, there is something so fun about an in-person event. It is just, it's so much fun. And I hope you'll come. Um, I honestly think you know, because, so there's those two sessions, um, starting at 9am and then we'll have breaks and things like that. And they're bringing in food trucks, so much fun. Um, and then after lunch, we're going to do like a question and answer session. Um, so anyway, I would love, love, love to see you there. It is $5 admission, but all of that is going toward, um, their local family crisis center. So it's a great cause. It's a fun event. There's plenty of room. So if you can't, like, if you live somewhere else and you're like, I'm going to drive to Lufkin to go here, Dana, um, and meet me and we'll have fun and laugh and everything. But anyway, um, if you're going to do that, you can just get your ticket at the door. It's fine. Okay. So anyway, excited to hopefully get to meet you guys there. That's Lufkin, Texas, which is, um, in East Texas. I'm pretty sure. Anyway. All right. Um, see, I just put things in my GPS and it takes me there. Yes. Okay. So here we go. Defining easy. Um, you know, I have a post on the site called defining normal that I wrote a really, really long time ago. And when I talk, I think I did a podcast about it too, but, um, you know, and the reason I wrote that post was, you know, I kept getting, (laughs) because I would refer to myself as not normal. I would refer to, you know, well, normal people do this. And then here's what I do in my house, you know, and people would get their undies in a wad over that statement of anything where I was calling where I, I think what it was is they would, relate to what I was saying. And then I would refer to the opposite of that as being normal. And they felt like I was calling them abnormal. People would get so worked up over it. And so anyway, I finally wrote this post, um, defining normal. That's my just kind of explaining, you know, this is what I mean when I say that. Okay. Just so you understand, don't get all worked up over it. This is what I mean. I mean, here's how I operate and the things that make me go seriously, why do I do this? It does not seem like anyone else does this, you know, anyway, um, versus normal. So this is defining easy because I think sometimes easy is this thing that also can make my skin crawl. You know, like when somebody says it, somebody's like, Oh, it's easy. Oh, it's easy. And you're like, but it's not easy for me. And then I get my feelings hurt. And then I start to feel like, why is this not easy for me? What is wrong with me? Because this isn't easy. And other people are like, well, duh, it's so easy. (laughs) Anyway, so that's why I am, um, yeah, I just thought I would delve into this. Okay. So, you know, common questions, excuse me, not necessarily questions that I receive, but like questions that I ask myself in the midst of a moment of frustration like, oh my word, people are coming over. Um, this is all I'm, I'm referring to before my deslobification process. Okay. Before I understand what I understand now, before I did the work that I have now done on my house and, um, created the routines that I've now created anyway. So, um, but you know, question or, but still, even still in moments where I, um, you know, I feel like I've been working on my house and then all of a sudden I know somebody's coming over and I look around, and I go, yeah, it's so far from perfect. Have I really worked on my house? I don't know. Um, or moments where I can't find my keys or I can't find that thing that, you know, I know I've seen it and I have no idea, you know, where it is or whatever. Um, anyway, question that I would ask myself is why is this so difficult? Why is this so difficult? And in my notes, I think I have one, two, three, four, five, five question marks after that. Like, cause in my head, that's what I was saying is why is this so hard? And the extra frustration there is when I would look at other people and think this doesn't seem to be hard for them. Like from what I know, which I know now, and we all know it anyway, but we don't always accept it, but it's like, yes, everybody probably loses their keys at times, but then there are those people who will comment on any post where I talk about losing my keys and they will say things like, all you have to do is put a hook by the back door. And I'm like, you're right. You know, it's so easy. And you're like, yes, it's it's so easy. You're right. Anyway. So yes, I'm going to probably always lose my keys. Um, That's my goal. Have I said that? That's my goal to teach my German shepherd to, um, be able to sniff out my purse. I do not lose my keys like I used to because they're in my purse and my purse is bigger and it's easier to find anyway, because I don't ever have to actually get them out of my purse since I don't have keys for my car, whatever. Long story. Um, anyway, so the question is, why is this so difficult when fill in the blank seems like it's easy for other people? Okay. Um, so I have some assumptions that I make in these types of situations. My assumptions are often usually that I am doing the same thing as everyone else, like that we're doing the exact same thing, same scenario, same situation, but for them, it's easy. And for me, it's difficult. Like they think of it as easy and I think of it as difficult. Okay. So I'm going to kind of deal with these thought processes and where I'm usually wrong in these. Anyway. Um, I also assume sometimes in these moments of frustration that, um, life in general is easier for everyone else than it is for me. Okay. Well, they don't have, um, three teenagers involved in different things. Well, they don't have kid who's decided he wants to do some kind of special martial arts that requires, you know, going two towns over. Well, they don't have, um, blah, blah, fill in the blank. I mean, you know, there, that is a common default. I'm sure there are better people than me who never ever think those thoughts but I know there's a lot of people like me because I get emails all the time. You know, I've, I did a podcast on the fine line between, um, challenges and excuses. Challenges are legit. Excuses are by definition, you know, not legit, right? I don't know what the actual definition is anyway. Um, but you know, it's, this is kind of that same mentality of, well, but I have this, but I have that, but I have this, um, my life, you know, is, is harder than other people's is the way that my brain kind of assumes this feels hard and I don't see them dealing with the same hard thing, whether they are or not. I have no idea, but I'm not seeing it. Um, and so my life must be harder than theirs. Their life is easier than mine. That's why anyway, whatever. Um, another assumption is that they have some secret tricks and they rudely don't share them. Except the problem with that one is one of the problems with that one is that a lot of times people would share tricks with me and I would look at it and go, Yeah, that would never work for me. You know, and oftentimes it legitimately wouldn't, but there's the other things we're going to be talking about. So, okay. Um, what do they know that I don't know? What do they have that I don't have? What do they do that I don't do? That's, that's basically this issue of why is it so easy for other people and so difficult for me? And that's what we're going to be going into. Okay. So the two questions that, um, kind of made me think about this, uh, one was about storage, mm, storage, mm, storage solutions for dress up clothes, um, storage solutions for dress up clothes, which shouldn't be hard to say, and it wouldn't be hard for anyone else in this world. It's I'm the only person who this is so I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, storage solutions for dress up clothes. That is the question. So, you know, the question was, I've tried this, I've tried that, you know, I've given up on hanging because the kids are too short to actually be able to do that. You know, what's a storage solution for dress up clothes? Um, the, um, the other one was about homework and, you know, consistent things with, um, you know, having kids get their homework done, having certain folders signed, checked, all that kind of stuff. Um, okay. So what I loved is at least in one of these emails, they specifically asked, I'm asking you this because you're a kindred spirit, meaning that you get my general struggles on a lot of other things. I think this was was the schoolwork one, homework and things like that. Um, you know, like I'm asking you because I feel like you might actually understand why this is so difficult for me. Okay. Um, because honestly, there's a bajillion ideas out there. I mean, Pinterest is full of fun and cool and inspiring things, inspiring ways to, you know, store your kids' dress up clothes. I don't have any cool posts with cute, adorable pictures of that, you know, but the reason why we are drawn to one another is that it's like, okay, so that kind of stuff never works out the way I want it to. So what actually works? You know, I mean, that that's the reason we're all here together. i um, here at this podcast and on my site and all that. Anyway, so what works is the question. So I'm going to share my thoughts, um, on, I'm going to share my answers for these things of what we've done, what's worked for us and why and how. And then, um, toward the end of the podcast, I'm going to just share some other thoughts on, you know, this whole concept of things being easy for me, easier for other people than they are for me, or why are things so hard, all that kind of stuff. So for homework, um, you know, the, the question referred to having, you know, tried sticker charts and then they just fizzled, um, charts don't work for me. Um, I just forget about them. I mean, I just, I just, I'm not driven on a daily basis to be a charty type person. I'm not. um, I mean, I like the initial, that's so cool stickers, but I'm like, it's only cool in the moment where I'm initially putting it together and then it fizzles and I never think about it again. And I lose the chart and all that kind of stuff. So I totally get, you know, that not having worked and that does work for a lot of people. So if it works for you, that's exactly what you should be doing. Um, give it a try and see if it works for you. And that's great. You know, motivation type things. Um, for us, you know, it just doesn't work because mom has to be the one. I mean, I do have one child now who on her own, did I reveal who it was since I only have one girl anyway, but on her own, I mean, she will do charty type things and keep up with things that way because that works well for her. So I try to embrace that and support that for her and help her with that. Um, but the other two are more like me and never think about charts. So anyway, uh, but we do, um, for me, it's about finding the most natural gap in the schedule for getting homework done. I wanted to be the mom. I mean, I honestly, I have so much, um, I'm so drawn to those people who have the nerve to send the letter at the beginning of the year saying, I'm sorry, my child will not do homework. I mean, my heart is with those moms. I can't actually do it for a whole host of reasons but I'm with them. I mean, like, I am not a fan of homework. It gets on my nerves. I I just, I don't, I mean, now obviously as they get older, that's different, but when they're little, sorry, those of you who are teachers, but, um, anyway, and my oldest has really, it's not fair, honestly, how much, how he is the one who has gotten the teachers that poor on the homework. I mean, the child would have hours of homework in first grade. It honestly just made my mom heart hurt so bad, you know, but because of that, we had to figure out how to get this done because there was no loosey goosiness allowed. And, you know, poor thing. He's the one that we would learn to not have that teacher in the future for future kids, like, you know, do the negative request thing. Anyway, we've never requested teachers, but we have not negative requested for too much homework. Anyway. Um, I also learned to, you know, just kind of find out how much homework does that teacher give? Um, anyway, so, you know, we, we had to learn from the first kid that it, it had to be a set time. It couldn't be, it could not be something that we said we want, we were, we'll wait and we'll fit it in wherever we just had to have a consistent time. And for us personally, it did not work to do it later. Like I wanted to be the mom who would let them come home, have a snack, go play for an hour, two hours, you know, because that's what kids actually need to be doing after school, not doing homework. Um, anyway, and they would, it you know, and then come back and do it, except that then we'd have soccer practice after dinner, or we'd have a baseball game and I would forget, you know, and so we had to find the most natural rhythm. So for us, it became, I would try to give him a good snack to eat while he did his homework. And if there are smudges on that paper, well, you deserve it teacher for giving that much homework to a first grader, but whatever. Um, anyway, that is, you you know, we just tried to make it a a thing and it's not, it wasn't as big of a deal as I dreaded it being. It was just kind of a, we come home, we have a snack while doing homework. And so that became a thing. Now the kids are older now, so I let them fit it in and there are, you know, I, I will change things and encourage, you know what? something's not happening here. So we're going to change how we do things and we're going to go back to, you know, you have to do it as soon as you get home or whatever. Um, but, but that, that has, is what has worked for me, even though I don't love it (laughs) doing it then. Um, you know, there's a benefit of the dining room table being available um, which seems a little bit random, but, you know, we talk all the time here about routines and keeping things, um, from, you know, piling up and the dining room table is one of my biggest challenges as far as it being a flat surface right inside my front door. Um, you know, and, and it's encouragement and it's a benefit of it being cleaned off consistently is that's where we do homework, you know, and so it kind of needs it to be, done, you know, and having that established space. Um, as far as the ongoing things, my number one thing that has helped me is just putting um, reminders in my phone that are set to go off every single week. So if there's something that has to be turned in on Friday mornings, then, um, you know, I'll put it in my phone. A lot of times I'll do like a Thursday evening at a time when we're generally always home you know, um, a reminder and I'll do double reminders. So like on my iPhone, I'll put it in my calendar and I will um, you know, go down to the alerts and I'll do, you know, one alert to go off at 8 30. I set the time for 8 30, and then I do an alert to go off at the time of the event, an alert to go off 15 minutes before. You know, so that gives me two different, hopefully, times where I'm gonna, you know, notice this. And then I'll usually do an alert for the Friday morning as well before they're actually leaving for school. So that in case we missed it the night before, because that's what happens. Okay. Um, so anyway, those, those ongoing things, and then I'll set it to go off every single Thursday night, you know? Um, and that that's been the best thing. I don't know that that is helpful at all, but I think sometimes it helps me to go, Oh, there's not a magic trick. Oh man. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, it, it's helped my kids occasionally, well, occasionally, it's helped my kids, you know, to learn the whole, if you will do it at school, if you will do it whenever you can at school, although we've had the teacher that wouldn't let them do it at school. Whew, all my pet peeves are coming out tonight. But anyway, this morning, it's not tonight. Um, but uh, that, that, that's that been part of it, you know, is, the, is helping them learn, you know, if you will take those 10 minutes at the end of math class to go ahead and start on your math homework. Sometimes you can get it all the way done and then you don't have to do it that night. So, I mean, I have one who is passionate about finding those little pockets of time at school and getting homework done. And I'm not going to complain about that anyway. So it is ultimately always about finding what works for you. But then I have another kid who never thinks about doing that. So then we have to have the set time, you know. Okay. Dress up clothes. I do not have a cute storage solution. I have a tub. Um, you know, we just have a tub, and other things that might work, you know, we use this for purses, which I guess it would work, but again, the the person asking was saying their kids are small enough that it's hard for them to reach high, but an over the-door um, hanging rack. Um, that has, you know, worked, that works for us for purses, which could, could be the same solution um, or command hooks or um, screw hooks, like the kinds that screw straight into the wall. And um, those types of things are good, but I, I'm just going to get to the root of things because, you know, those are probably things that you've tried. The root of all of this is the container concept. I mean, that, that is, what's going on here. I mean, you know, any kind of storage solution that consistently doesn't work or consistently feels like it's, you know, swimming through jello, it just, this is harder than it should be, blah, blah, blah. It's generally an issue of not having understood and embraced and implemented the container concept. Okay. Whatever space you have or solution that you have, the key is decluttering the stuff down to only having what will fit in this space. Okay. So we can have a tub, but there have been times before I decluttered like a mad woman and understood the container concept and started embracing it. There were times when my daughter would have way more dress up clothes than would ever fit in a tub. And so I would be either trying to shove them into the tub, and the tub was so full that it was spilling over the edges, okay, which then made it a solution that wasn't working. Make sense? Or I was buying another tub and then another tub and another tub for the costumes, for the dress up clothes. So the issue wasn't necessarily what I was, any of those things would have worked, but I was not embracing them as containers, as limits to how much I could have. So the issue wasn't that, um, well, whatever, anyway. Um, but the same thing goes with, you know, if you're using command hooks to hang them up on the wall, There's a limited amount of space in the room, unless you want the entire wall to be covered in hooks for hanging dresses. There's a limited amount of space. And so, you know, we can have five hooks in this one part of the room and, and that's what we can devote to dress up clothes or we've got this much space in the, um, floor of the closet. And so this tub is the amount of space that we can devote to dress up clothes. And so what I have to do is declutter the dress up clothes to the point where we only have what will easily fit on those command hooks or in that tub that easily fits in the closet. Do you realize I'm using the word easily? And that's kind of the focus of this um, podcast is the easy part. It is not necessarily, well, it's that I used to think of a storage solution as something that was going to let me keep everything I wanted to keep. And instead, a storage solution is a container. It's a limit that shows me how much can I keep and this be easy. So If I have five command hooks, because that's all that's going to fit in this amount of space on my wall that I can devote to this issue, then I can have five dress up costumes. Which now in the phase of having understood this stuff is like, oh, five is plenty. But there was a time where I would have been like five. Are you kidding me? I've got 27. How am I supposed to narrow it down to five? I mean, that was my mentality. Okay. But the reality is for it to be easy for it to consistently work, it has to be decluttered down to the point where when we put them up, there is a place for everything to go. So how do you do that? Well, you have This is the amount of space I have. This is the tub that I have that will fit in the space that I have in the bottom of the closet. This is what I can devote to dress up clothes. You take the 27 dresses and you put your favorite ones in the tub first. And that is the natural sorting process that happens when you understand the container concept. Okay. It works amazingly well with children. You let them choose, even if they choose the nondescript one that did not come from Disney world and that you think is ugly. (laughs) I mean, they, they might choose their aunt's prom dress that you always hated. Even when she wore it in 1987, you hated it from then on. You don't know how it's ended up in your house, but that's the one your daughter loves. I mean, my daughter had a, she kept it forever. She had this ridiculously ugly, I don't even know where we got it, but this sequined shirt that was her favorite dress up item. And she would choose that over anything else over any like, Oh my word, that dress right there we bought that at Disney world. We didn't ever buy a dress at Disney world. This is all hypothetical, but cause I'm too cheap anyway. But we bought dresses at garage sales that other people had bought dresses at Disney world. Um, but you know, that dress right there is worth $89 and she would choose this over that it's the container concept and it's how it works. Okay. And it's how you declutter with other people without it being a power struggle. You go, here's the space that we have. Okay. Here you go. If she wants to keep all 27 dresses, you as a mom get to decide, "Mm, sorry, put your favorite ones in here first. Sorry, you can't do that. Or as a mom, you can also go make the decision that, okay, we can keep 27 dresses, but we don't have room for 27 dresses and your stuffed animals. (gasps) What? Yeah. I mean, there's simply not enough space. It's not me. It's the container. Okay. And so if you want to keep 27 dresses, you have to get rid of these stuffed animals so that we have room for the 27 dresses. Does that make sense? Okay. So that, that's the concept. And that is the difference between it being easy for other people to now, I don't know your exact situation, the person who asked the question. Okay. So don't assume this, but this is my experience and what I've learned from, you know, helping other people as well. That is the same as what my experience was, which is the reason it's easier for other people to keep the stuff under control. The main thing is that when they do put it away, it all fits in the container because they don't have more than will naturally fit, easily fit in the actual space that they really do have available to devote to that. Okay. Then we go to the, um, issue of the putting away. Okay. The issue of the actual implementation. Um, you know, there are people who don't have slob vision. They notice and it grates on their nerves when they see, um, you know, four or five dresses spread out over the floor. And so they pick up the four or five dresses and they go and they put them away. Okay. I think I'm getting into the next thing that I'm going to be talking about. Anyway, they go ahead and put them away where maybe for you, it's a five minute pickup. And by the time you think to do a five minute pickup, there's 27 dresses. But if there is a space for every dress that you have to put away, it's going to feel easier. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's talk about our other sponsors. Um, I have a new sponsor this week. Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E is a complete reinvention of the air purifier, not just an improvement on existing technology. Molecule introduces a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level, completely removing them from the air you breathe. Molecule makes a meaningful impact for asthma and allergy sufferers. One customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Molecule's technology has been proven effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. For $75 off your first order, visit M O L E. KULE.com and at checkout enter come clean. That's one word come clean. Again, for $75 off your first order, visit molecule.com, M O L E K U L E.com and at checkout enter come clean. And Blinds Chalet. I like Big Impact. Doing something that makes a big impact and that actually continues to make a big impact is so much more fun than doing something like, I don't know, the dishes. And one way to make a big impact on your home is window coverings. Blind Chalet is America's foremost window covering experts. They offer the best blinds, shades, and shutters available on the market today. Ordering your window treatments from Blind Chalet is simple. You can visit their website at www.blindchalet.com or give them a call at 888-633-7840. Simply select the window coverings you're interested in and order free samples of the product to see the color firsthand and feel the material. Next, input your window measurements and order your blinds. Need help with measuring or installing? Not a problem. Simply locate a certified installation professional on their website by entering your zip code. With Blind Chalet, you get the best custom window treatment products at the best prices available. Some products ship as soon as one business day after you order. See the difference for yourself and order free samples from Blinds Chalet. Visit Blind Chalet at blindchalet.com. That's B-L-I-N-D-S C-H-A-L-E-T.com or call 888-633-7840. Use promo code CLEAN for a special discount exclusive to A Slob Comes Clean podcast listeners. Again, that's promo code CLEAN. Okay, Um, we're going to go back to those assumptions that I, I had. Okay. Um, the assumptions about things being easier for other people versus me. Okay. Now, did I already say that these questions didn't necessarily ask about, um, you know, why is this easy for other people and not for me? I, they were just asking me for a solution, knowing that, because we have similar brain types maybe the same solutions would work for me okay and this is what got me thinking about this concept of easy so anyway um my assumption is that i'm doing the same thing as everybody else they just think it's easy um here's here's one reality check on that is they don't think it's easy no one likes cleaning up i mean yes there are a few weirdos but being weird is good i mean i embrace it on this end of things and i'm happy for them to embrace it on their end of things but in general, people don't like cleaning up. It's just reality. They just don't know that it's an option to not do it. So they do it before it's big and overwhelming. We know it's an option to not do it. So we wait until it's big and overwhelming. Okay. So it's not that doing the dishes is easy for them and not easy for us. But it's that they don't know what's an option to not do the dishes. (laughs) It's totally an option, y'all. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us listening here, if you're new, I'm sorry that you didn't know what you were getting into anyway, but I have had to learn that while technically it's an option to not do the dishes, it's not an option if I don't want them to be overwhelming and feel so incredibly difficult later. Does that make sense? Nobody likes doing the dishes, but if I will do them every, some people like it, I know, but in general, I'm gonna make these blanket statements because that's how I do things. That's how I talk. You know, my mom was always like, Dana, stop saying always and never. You say it all the time and it cannot be true about every single thing that you say it about. Anyway, but nobody likes doing the dishes. But when I do them every day, it's not overwhelming, because it's only one day's worth of dishes. That's dishes math. One day's worth of dishes is 10 to 15 minutes. Two days worth of dishes is an hour. It's not 30 minutes. It's not double yesterday. It's the shifting and the moving and the doing this and then getting those out of the way and then doing the next ones. It, that's how it is. And then if I wait three days to do the dishes, it's hours. Okay. So dishes math is real. So it's not necessarily easy versus difficult. It's all work, but it's doing it now when it's in a small increment, as opposed to waiting and putting it off until it's overwhelming. And then that's where I feel like this is so hard. It's because I'm overwhelmed. Okay. So nobody likes cleaning up. They just don't know it's an option to do it. So they to not do it. So they do it before it's big and overwhelming. Got it. Okay. Um, you know, again, with that assumption that I'm doing the same thing as everyone else, but they think it's easy. But if I have too much stuff, if I have more than could ever possibly fit in the amount of space that I have to give something, I'm not doing the same thing as everyone else. Okay. I know this is so duh, but this is also, it's, it's a legitimate thing. It was my problem. It was my number one clutter problem that I didn't understand that I simply had more stuff than would ever be able to legitimately stand or control in my home with my unique personality. Okay. So it's harder for me because I have too much stuff. I have more stuff than I can personally handle with my unique personal clutter threshold, but I also have just simply more stuff than will fit in the space that I have for it. So even though it seems like, oh, it's so easy for them to put things away. It's so hard for me to put things away. The actual difference is I had way too much stuff. Okay. So decluttering it down to the point where when I put it away, it's like, oh, well, that wasn't that hard because, there was actually room for everything. All right. Um, you know, and then I'm going to talk about the assumption that life is easier for other people than it is for me. Um, it is, and it isn't all lives are different, but we all have a lot of the same things. We all have to do the dishes. Okay. We all have different challenges. Um, you know, what's the thing people say about, um, you know, you just never know what somebody else is going through you legitimately don't. We don't know what other people are either prioritizing or struggling with or whatever. And so it never helps when I'm looking at their house and comparing what I know for sure about my house to what I assume about their house and their lives, you know? So it, it, it's just never helpful to go there to think, Well, it's easier for them. They just don't have as many life challenges as I do. It it doesn't help. It just simply flat out doesn't help to do that. Okay. Um, here's one of the keys though, for an actual implementable thing, don't make life harder than it needs to be, you know, where, and that's me going, where am I making things more difficult than they actually need to be? One thing that makes it life harder is having more than will actually fit in my house. You know, it's really hard. It's, it's harder if you have a tub for dress up clothes and to clean up dress up clothes, you have to put them in the tub, push down with all of your might to fit more in the tub if you have a lid, sit on the lid to get it to close and then hold your breath, hoping that it's not going to pop open and knowing that five minutes after you leave the room, it is going to pop open because there's simply more than will fit in there. That is making things harder than it needs to be. Does that make sense? So maybe their life in their home is easier and most likely you know, when we're talking about clutter issues, it's because they have less stuff in it. Okay. Um, you know, one way that I make my, I've made my life a lot harder than I used to need to make it was not understanding dishes math. Like we just talked about, you know, um, I may, I did not know I was making my life harder by waiting to do the dishes by putting off doing the dishes. I thought, well, I don't have time right now. Well, it's not worth my time right now. Cause there's not that many, whatever. I didn't realize I was making my life harder by not doing them every day. Once I started doing the dishes every single day, it was like, Oh, well, that's a lot easier. Okay. You know, so, so where am I making things harder than they actually need to be? Makes sense. Um, I don't, I don't know. I put something in majorly bold in my notes. Like I think I thought it was super profound and now it makes no sense to me. It needs to completely fit when I put it away so that whenever that is, it isn't harder than it needs to be. Okay. Well, that's what I just said earlier anyway, but, but, you know, I mean, it does, it needs to, fit easily so that when I do put it away, even if yes, with my unique brain, I don't necessarily go, okay, kids, 15 minutes till bedtime, let's get everything picked up because that never occurs to me to say that. Um, when I do put away, it's not harder than it needs to be because it all fits. I've already said that, whatever, but I thought I was profound. I mean, I like bolded it and then I even increased the font size of that statement. So must be good anyway. Um, Okay another assumption is that they have secret tricks and won't, and rudely won't share them with me. Um, everybody's got tricks of things that work and don't work in their home. Um, things they avoid things. They make sure they do. Um, and a lot of them aren't secrets necessarily. A lot of times people want to share them. And yet I would go, what? because it just didn't necessarily make sense for me and how I operate. Um, a big part of that is accepting how your brain works and knowing that yes, that trick works, but it may not work for me. You know, um, it's, it's like the, the trick or whatever of taking something with you every time you leave the room. That's awesome. But there are a whole lot of us who it's never going to occur to us to do that, or it's going to occur to us one out of 17 times. Okay. And go ahead and do that in the one out of 17 times. But what is it that will work for our unique brain, which is what I'm here for is to help you find those things that work for people like me. Um, that maybe, you know, because maybe some of those other tricks, you know, easy, simple little tricks don't necessarily work. So I think it's that realizing that, if you do try something that somebody else says is so easy and simple, especially if you have, um, started to really understand things or you've decluttered down to the point where you only have what will fit within the limits of your home, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know what I was going to say but except, you know, if you try those things, oh, I know what it is. Don't feel like a failure because what they say is easy and simple and no big deal feels harder to you. Um, figure out what does work for you. Okay. Figure out what does work. You know, my, my biggest, um, advice on that is if there is something that drives you bananas, and maybe you've heard all these tricks on it before solve that problem every day for seven days, solve it on the second day before it's a problem again. And on the third day before it's a problem again, and then you're going to find what does work for you. Hold up. What was that? Um, okay. Easy is something to plan for and work toward. Okay. So decluttering, if, if all these things are like, oh, I want all these little life tricks and all this kind of stuff. Um, sometimes you have to declutter before you can get to the point where you are able to do all the tricks. You know, sometimes that's the key is, um, figuring that out um you know going ahead and getting less stuff in your house because remember the clutter threshold is the point at which you have the amount of stuff in your home that you can easily keep under control you only find it by decluttering and that keyword easy that we've been talking about is the keyword word in the clutter threshold thing okay so if you just think everything's so hard and all these things and implementing tricks and it just i just can't I'm too overwhelmed just declutter don't worry about all that first. Just start getting the stuff out of your house that doesn't need to be there. Don't worry about the most emotional stuff first. Just start throwing away trash, dealing with easy stuff, getting rid of the duh clutter. You know, accepting the limits of the bookshelf and decluttering down to the point where you only have books that will easily fit on the bookshelf. You know, that, that keyword easy is starting to look at it differently. Instead of saying easy, like it's going to just naturally happen. No, but that when it happens even unnaturally, because you you didn't just, Oh, I just naturally put all my books back on the bookshelf. But when you go to put the books on the bookshelf, you're not having to shove. You're not having to, um, you know, okay, I got to put a hard cover here because there's this much space. And if I push really hard, it'll actually go in without crumpling or whatever, you know, um, and finagling and all that kind of stuff is decluttering down to the point where you can just easily put things on there. Okay. That's, that's that clutter threshold. And also realizing the clutter threshold is decluttering down to the point where you suddenly look around your house and go, Oh, it's staying under control more naturally. Oh, it's staying under control without me feeling like I'm, you know, canoeing through it or whatever. I, I, I don't know why I said the canoeing, but that's just the mental image I get is this, you know, I can't just walk like normal. No, it's like I'm shoveling my way all the time. I used to feel that way. But as I decluttered my house, I got to the point where I went, oh, yeah, this is actually not traumatic to keep under control anymore it's actually fairly easily, but easy to do that. But I only knew that as I decluttered. Okay. I also want to make sure to point out one last thing. And that is overthinking instead of acting is often what makes something feel like it's more difficult than it actually is. Okay. Okay. What I mean by that is, okay, think about it with yourself. How many times have you dreaded something? And have you thought through how hard, how hard it was going to be? And all the reasons why this was something that you should put off and put off and put off. And then you actually do it and you go, Oh, that was not that hard. Why did I put that off? So many times it's the overthinking that causes you to feel like something is so difficult when, when you actually just go ahead and do it, it's not that difficult. That's one of the reasons why I boil things down in my books, how to manage your home without losing your mind and decluttering at the speed of life. That's one of the reasons why I boil things down to just do the dishes, you know, like stop thinking through all the things you need to do to change the house that then feels so daunting and just do the dishes. Okay. The dishes are not fun but they're not difficult. Okay. Just go do the dishes, quit stressing and just go do them. Um, you know, here's this overwhelming amount of pile of clutter or room full of clutter, a cabinet full of clutter, just throw away trash. Just, just, let's just make it easy. Let's just throw away trash. Let's do the easy stuff. Let's take the stuff. Easy stuff is stuff that already has an established home elsewhere in the house. It's just not there for whatever reason. The reason I call it the easy stuff is it's the stuff that doesn't require thought and analysis and questions. So, so many times it's the overthinking that makes something feel more difficult than it actually is. Make sense? Okay. All right. I hope this has been helpful for those of you who, um, have listened for 50 minutes. Oh my word. <sighs> happy 200th episode. Um if you are listening all this time all the way to the end, you might be an actual kindred spirit and you might need to join patreon.com and be a patron of the show. And one of the perks of that is a super secret Facebook group. So anyway, um I really appreciate you guys listening and bringing me to the point where I have 200 episodes of this little podcast that is still after 200 episodes, not fancy at all. And y'all keep listening. And I appreciate that so incredibly much. So thank you. And I will talk to you guys next week. Make sure you send in your questions for Bob.